Hello everyone and welcome to a, another episode of the Claret and Blue Commission. And it's been a bit of a mixed bag this week in terms of respective performances. Obviously Villa slipped to a, a close loss to Brighton that was uh, perhaps marred by a bit of controversy in, in the last the dying embers of the game. And West Ham squeak out a 1-0 win against Sheffield United. Let's... Uh, Let's get into the show. So I think first we'll talk about the Villa game uh, and we'll start with the obvious talking point, the penalty. Uh, and I think for me, you know, uh, wasn't a penalty. Get it out of the way, straight out. Wasn't a penalty. And I think the referee looked at it at least 10, 10 15 times on the monitor and didn't give it. So I think after that, you've got to respect the ref's decision. And, you know, it was minimal, minimal contact on, uh, I think it was Trezeguet uh, from Solly March. You know, he got just as much ball as he did man. And, you know, most importantly, he did play the ball first. So I think that is something that you need to take into account. Uh, you know, one of the other talking points was a, the red card for Tarek Lamptey, which I'm sure was a stake in the heart of many FPL owners out there, especially with Lamptey having played so well in recent weeks. And it was two yellows. The second yellow, you know, if he wasn't booked, you'd give him a yellow for it. So I think you have to apply that same logic to to, to the second yellow, you know. Even if it's on a yellow, you've got to give it, you know. So I applaud the referee for that. Uh I think Villa were very unlucky in some of the chances that they missed. Uh, Watkins couldn't convert from a, a cross from Grealish. Uh, Trezeguet blasted one over from about six yards out. In, uh, Brighton played very well to hit them on the counter-attack. You know, Welbeck's first goal was well worked. Villa were pr- aggressively pressing up the pitch. And I think that Graham Potter just put together a system that made it a lot easier to beat Steve Brute. No, Dean Smith. Uh, and, you know, allow Welbeck to score. And, you know, uh, it's nice to see Welbeck getting in the goals. You know, he's had a poor, stinky run of luck over the past three, four years, hopping around from clubs to club after, you know, playing really well at United and uh, being... So, such a, a hyped talent during Fergie's last years. So it's nice to see him come into the Brighton team and hopefully he will score a few more for Brighton. You know, it'd be nice to see someone who's had a bit of a tough time rise above it all and come back for it. Uh, and, you know, uh, Grealish, Watkins... You know, I think they weren't helped by losing Barkley so so early. Like one of the team's better players gets injured after five minutes in a relatively nothing fashion. You know, just out of nowhere, kind of pulls up, which I think is like one of the worst things that could happen to a footballer. You know, nothing to do with the opposition or you know, the the style of the game. It just can happen and. Uh, we send our condolences and well wishes to Ross Barkley in, in the hope that he progresses and you know gets better and can come back stronger. 
But I think Villa fans have got to look at the positive here. You know, still seventh in the league. Grealish is staking a play, staking a claim for a regular starting spot in the England team after some brilliant performances during the international break. You know, the other team didn't, we didn't win against Belgium, but Grealish played really well. Uh, got none of the match against Iceland, though I don't know possibly how deserved that was compared to Phil Foden. But I think, you know, the stats don't lie and that England do look like a, a much better team with Grealish, like with Grealish in and around the starting 11. You know, I think if you can get a front three of uh, Kane, Sancho and Grealish all firing on the same, you know, on the same game, it could be, it could be very potentially dangerous for a lot of teams. You know, even, even like the, better upper echelon teams in international football, you know, like Belgium, like France, or any like Brazil, Portugal, any of those teams. So I think, you know, it's very positive. So a mixed week for Villa fans in terms of nice to see Grealish playing well in the national team, as well as uh, John McGinn help Scotland get, get to uh, the Euros, you know, so it, Nicely, they will have probably at least two Villa players at the Euros next summer, if not a few more. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of good performances from the Villa players during the game. You know, Esri Konza got himself on the score sheet. Uh, and obviously, while they didn't, they also conceded two goals. I think Konza played; he did play particularly well. So, I think. The, for those of you that put him in your FPL teams thinking he'd get an easy clean sheet against Brighton, you know, the rough faith has been somewhat repaid. Uh, and so that that was the main story of the game. Villa remains seventh in the Premier League. Uh, next week is a very, very big game for Villa. Got West Ham, a rematch of the final day of the season last year in which uh, West Ham so graciously allowed Villa to stay up at the London Stadium. So we'll take a quick break and we'll see how things lined up from a West Ham point of view this week. So moving on, West Ham won, Sheffield United nil. Was not the prettiest of games, was not the most entertaining, but at the end of the day, it's the result that matters and we got those vital three points. Move us to eighth in the table, you know, we're above United, above City. So I think it's only fair to say that we should be challenging for the title in the next six months. Uh, the only goal of the game comes from Sebastian Haller, newly minted uh, Ivory Coast International, scored on his debut for the uh, the Ivory Coast national team during the midweek break. So that was nice to see, you know, and I think, especially with Antonio Winge at the moment, uh, it's going to be more important than ever for Haller to step up and you know sort of stake a claim to contest when Antonio comes back or potentially if we sign a striker in January though I doubt it but wonderful goal uh the ball ricocheted out from from across and Haller from the edge of the box slammed it home from about 20 yards good goal you know Haller is quite quite a cultured player 
scores a lot of nice goals, you know, technically pleasing to watch, which, you know, is something you want in a striker. Although I wouldn't wouldn't mind if he started scoring some ugly goals either, you know, prodding it in from the six yard box or whatever. Uh, yeah, Cresswell and Bowen play particularly well. Irritating because I left them on my bench for FPL this week in favour of a man who didn't come on in Saeed Benrahma. Now, you'd have thought in our big deadline day signing that Moyes would have a bit more faith and play the Algerian as opposed to playing uh, Masuaku as a right wing back stroke midfielder. You know, we set out... uh, some sites reported it as a 4-4-2, but I don't think that was the case. It ended up more more being a sort of a 3-4-3, really. Uh, with uh, Bowen and Fornals and Haller up front with Rice, Susek, uh, Masuaku and Bowen. I've said Bowen. Kufal. So... You know, he came on uh, before the international break and got an assist almost off the bat. And I would have liked to see him try and continue the momentum that he started both in that game and during the midweek internationals for Algeria. You know, I think if he can get into a good vein of form, I think Algeria, with him and Mares will be a force to reckon with during uh, the African Cup of Nations if it goes ahead this uh, start of next year. But, you know, I can't fault the team selection if it's a win. So as much as I would have liked to see Ben Rama out there and get some minutes, I think, you know, we'll take the positives of a, of a victory in three points. Uh, and the game particularly was dominated by possibly, outside of the top six, the best midfield duo in the Prem in Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek both of whom scored for their respective countries during the international break, during the same like window of games. Uh, Rice scored against Iceland, and then Shushek, within about three minutes, had scored for the Czech Republic. So, you know, they're just on that sort of a telepathic connection. They're undisputed, best of all time. I love watching the two of them work together, especially because now... Now that Suchek's finding his feet in the Prem, he's uh, a lot more of a dynamic box-to-box midfielder and he is, uh, you know, striving to get into the box for crosses and, you know, being on the edge of the box for rebounds and outs. So positive, especially because often Rice plays that, that more defensive role, sitting in front of the back, the defenders, which is pretty much the role that Mark Noble would play. So I think it like I can probably see Moyes looking to groom Rice into that sort of role, which I think is perfect for him. You know, he's a good passer of the ball, good vision, brilliant defender. You know, you don't just get r- rumours of a move to Chelsea or Man United out of nowhere. I think, you know, he's deserved everything that he's got. You know, the captain of the side in the absence of Noble. You know, contention. Uh, and he's contending for a spot in the England squad on the reg on the on the reg. You know, whilst Southgate's defensive mindset does favour him, 
I still feel like he'd probably start in most variations of the team that could be predicted. So West Ham win 1-0, move up to 8th in the table. We're still above Man U, we're still above Man City. So I think, you know, we take these victories while we can get them before inevitably the wheels fall off and we start shouting at the board again. All right, now we're on to our winners and losers for the week. So the first of my winners is going to be Tottenham. It's self-explanatory, really. Son and Kane again working together to provide for Tottenham and their fans. The 2-0 win against Man City puts them to top of the league. And they're just so good to watch right now. It pains me to say it, but Tottenham are looking to be one of the more informed teams. You know, they've got Kane and Son working together on such such a different level to anything else in even Europe that, you know, while Kane necessarily isn't scoring as many as many would want him to have, you know, he's racking up the assists and proving, proving the, 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 the narrative wrong that he doesn't pass, you know, after the World Cup, which we don't talk about. So, obviously, it's brilliant to see an English player performing at the absolute elite level. So the, that's why Tottenham are my number one winners for this week. Number two is uh, Erling Haaland. Forgive my pronunciation, but the Norwegian uh, just last week won the European Golden Boy Awards. And, you know, there's a lot of competition in this class. You know, Mbappe is still eligible for it. Phil Foden's been playing well. Uh, Matthias De Ligt, uh, Sancho, Ansu Fati, Pedri, a stacked class of young, talented footballers. And but Erling Haaland's stats speak for themselves. 22 goals in 22 appearances for Dortmund. He was ripping it up even playing for Salzburg in the Champions League and the Austrian League. Uh, just, just the other day, uh, he scored a 17 minute hat trick for Dortmund against Berlin. You know, the the kid is the kid is special and you know, he'll be a I think him and Martin Odegaard are the sort of the two uh figureheads of a like a Norwegian footballing revolution. Uh I think potentially if they get a couple more pieces in there, Norway could definitely be become problematic in the next 5 or so years. At least in like a European aspect. Uh, third winners this week. Uh, I think I will go with Everton after a bit of a rocky end to the first sort of period of matches before the international break. They've kicked. They've kicked on. Yes, it was against Fulham, but nonetheless, Dominic Calvert Lewin, Luca Digne, uh, and Abdoulaye Decore. Uh, were the main forces behind the, their goals today. A 3-1 win over Fulham. Calvert-Lewin scored twice. Decore scored the other with uh, Lucas Digne getting two assists. So, again, maybe a minor victory for uh, FPL fans there, especially with uh, Kane and Son also playing well and Bruno Fernandes as well against West Brom. But Everton look, look a lot better with that trio with James, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, 
and Richarlison up front. I think while Hammers was injured and Richarlison was suspended, I think they they almost relied on Calvert-Lewin too much. And while Calvert-Lewin's been fantastic this year uh, for both Everton and for England as well, uh, I think he's not quite at a point where he can be the focal point of a team's attack. Like Obviously, yes, he's a striker, but he needs to have the sort of service that he's getting from James, that he's getting from Dinier and Richarlison in order to elevate his own end product. So I think that Everton are coming back into a bit of form and I'd worry, I'd worry the next three weeks of Everton's opponents if they can get into a groove. First of our losers, it's uh, I think we're going to have to put it down to uh, VAR. Again, in the, in the news, a lot of contention this week. As I've already spoken about the Aston Villa game with both uh, the red card and the penalty. Uh, the West Brom game as well. West Brom had a penalty dis had a penalty disallowed for. I mean, arguably it was very similar to the the uh, Villa penalty, which you know was disallowed. So I guess you can say there's a bit of consistency. Uh, Sam Johnson cruelly had a penalty save ripped away from him for being again very far off his line, but. Uh, you know, uh, VAR meant that a lot of the games this week kind of lost their flow or weren't as fun with decisions being overturned or the like. I just think that they need to sort something out about it, but I, don't, I doubt that they will at this point in time. So fingers crossed, I guess. Next losers uh, will be uh, probably Fulham. They pushed Everton close, 3-2 win, but 3-2 loss, but I think they're doomed. Their man, West Brom, actually, that's their one set of losers, Fulham and West Brom, that's in the same category. I think it's just a battle to see who finishes higher in the relegation zone, to be completely honest. Fulham lacked creativity uh, and the just a lot of detrimental stupid decisions being made there you know you look at the West Ham game before the international break with Luckman's penalty decision to chip it in the 98th minute when he could have taken a draw you just have to look at them and think if you're not taking easy chances for draws like that then you don't deserve to be in the Premier League and as for West Brom they've just been too erratic to get a sort of consistent vein of form going you know, one week they're taking Chelsea to a three-all draw. The next week they're getting shafted by Fulham. So I think it's un- it's unfair to think that either of them are really going to contend to stay up. I think you know, I think most West Brom fans at least maybe resign themselves to the fact that they might be the worst team in the league, except for maybe Burnley. But again, you just can't envision either of them staying up particularly just because they're so uninspired and erratic that their form is way too all over the place and our final loser this week is gonna be Nicolas Pepe who just this night this evening was red carded for headbutting 
uh, a Leeds player. Seemingly out of nowhere, I'm sure there were verbals exchanged, but I don't think that you can really excuse it, to be honest. Most players are big enough and old enough to know that you just you don't react to what a player says to you on the field. You know, I get that, get it that sometimes they could there could be there's potential for there, some things to be said that could be rather cutting, but again, it's one of them. You've got to rise above it because while you might get a sort of personal victory by headbutting the guy that's chatting shit at you, it just it's it's the loss of the team because then they're a man down, and especially when Pepe, one of Arsenal's, you know, more creative players, is off. You know, it gives Aubameyang and Lacazette a hell of a lot more work to do. And, you know, Aubameyang's already doing the work of two players because Lacazette has been shit. But it just puts more pressure on everyone else to fill in gaps and perform playing against an extra man, which is never easy. You know, that you could do all the planning in the world for it, but it would still be one, it's, it'd be one of the most difficult tasks to carry out successfully you know I think a nil-nil was probably a fair result Leeds didn't look particularly inspiring either which again to many of the Bamford stan accounts that I've been seeing talking about fantasy fantasy Premier League and talking about Bamford for golden boot shows that yes while he's had a good spell of games this is still the Patrick Bamford that failed to make it at Crystal Palace so I think maybe if we check our expectations at the door and see if Bamford can string together another few good games, uh, you know, we'll see a bit of a resurgence. But oh, I'm on a tangent now. But back to Pepe. I know, and, you know, he's going to get suspended. So that leaves Arsenal without him for at least the next game. But I'd assume he'd probably still get a three-match ban. But I can also see a ban for the Leeds player that was that maybe was uh, verbally abusing him. I guess like they'd only, they'd only really have to go on uh, what Pepe said he heard. So it'd be a bit of a he said she said situation. But you know, at the end of the day, you can't be going around headbutting someone during a football game. So which is why Nicholas Pepe is the third of this week's losers. All right, thanks everyone for tuning in. A bit of a shorter one this time, but uh, hopefully I'll, this will become more of a regular thing. So if you enjoyed it, you know, if you could drop us a follow, uh, Instagram at Claret and Blue Commission. Uh, so you know, we're on Spotify. Uh, so if you find if you like it, find our page, follow us, share our podcast. Uh, it'll be much appreciated. I've been Finn, and this has been the Claret and Blue Commission. See you next week, boys.